Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are so excited to have you for episode 30. It is Create or Destroy, How We Fulfill the Need to Transcend. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're excited to have you coming at you from Atlanta, Georgia, live. Sonia, how are you? Um, I'm sad today. Um, I think I talked about it in a previous podcast, but a family member or close person that would be considered part of my family, a nanny that I grew up with, passed away yesterday. So that was hard. Yeah. I mean, we knew she was ill, but still when it happened, it still was tough. Yeah. I am so sorry for your loss. That's a tough, that's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you and I talked a little bit, Lacey, about this um, before. She was someone who was really connected through the generations of our family. And her background mm -hmm. was she was from Latin America. And I know you've been exposed to living in Latin America. So have I. And so there was a real um, sense of family is very important, you know, being connected with one another and yeah, she's a very resilient woman, um, did, you know, was there for us in many times throughout our life. And there's a couple things that um, kind of resonate with me that I'll carry about her. One is she would always say, I'll translate for everybody. She'd say, si se puede, which means, yes, you can. So yeah. I have to carry that with me. Um, and then mm. an, a big one that I think you and I try to talk about on the podcast is community. Um, she taught me something, even when you sit down to eat, you know, I would have a meal and maybe she had already eaten. And she said, um, te voy a acompañar, which means I'll sit with you, you mm -hmm. know, and that's kind of in, different because in our culture, we're just rush, rush, eat, go, you know, I don't think we think about that community of connecting with one another. And so those are a couple memories. There's so many, but um, that I think are interesting to pass on and, let people know about because I think we should be living more connected. Yeah, I love that. Te voy a acompañar. Um, and I know there's other family members of yours who, you, can, you know, I've heard you talk about, yeah, I'll, I'll just go with you to the store. And for us, we're like, in American society, American culture, we're like, why are you going to go with me? <laughs> Don't you have something else you need to do? <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, but the value of the presence of someone, I think we, it's underrated. Um, and just the, you know, sometimes when we're going through something difficult or even if we're not going through something difficult, just being with someone mm -hmm. can be so helpful. You know, it's because it's a part of our, our, who we are as a species, we weren't made to be alone, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, the important thing is being seen, being accepted, you know, being acknowledged. And that's what I'm going to miss because having someone in your life that, you know, is just kind of like the best way to say this is like an unconditional love, mm. you know, which kind of ties back to Frome is that we're, we're kind of missing this in our lives and culture. So when you have that experience, yeah, it's, it's powerful. You know, I lost someone close to me. I've talked to you a little bit about that um, a lot back in December. And I think we can definitely relate on this point because this person was someone who was like a secure 
safe place for you. And it's like, I think what's been the hardest thing for me with the loss that I experienced is knowing that that person isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like I felt this constant sense of comfort knowing that that person was there for me, that I could go to that person. I mean, it's almost like the difference between like feeling like I can thrive and I can fly because I know that I have that support and it's there mm -hmm. if I need it. And then right. since her passing, it's like, I feel just a lot more unsteady. And yeah. I think that's common in loss and in death, especially with someone who is like that to us. Sure. It's like that, this rock, like a touchstone that you can go to and you know, like you said, the person will be there. The person will answer the phone. They're, they're going to be, even if you don't communicate with them every day, but when that loss occurs, there's, there is a void, you know, there is that sense of, wow, now what do I do? Um, so that's, I think that's where grief, you know, where it ebbs and flows. And yeah. I know we both discussed this, but I'm sure I'll still have conversations, you know, mm -hmm. with her, but they will be, you know, just quieter in the sense of just listening internally for what the response would be, right? Yeah. One thing that's helped me is thinking about, well, what would she say to me in this situation, mm -hmm. you know, and just remembering and another activity I've heard about that might be helpful in grieving is just a free write where you just write down everything you can remember about the person and how they smelled, what they would say, phrases they used, how they held mm -hmm. their pen, you know, what their surroundings look like, how they dress, that kind of thing. And so that's an activity that I think that I'm going to do. Um, and I just think grief is something that we all experience. I think it's something that we're all learning how to, to experience and how to go through. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not something that, you know, that you get through like overnight, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it takes time. And, you know, I've heard that sometimes like two years after or a year after the loss, it's more poignant, you know, the pain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think it shows up more in the times where you're like, this is when I would have connected with this person and I mm -hmm. can't, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm trying to think too, when you, when you're going through this is, is there's going to be, like he said there, it's going to feel poignant and sad. And I, and I'm trying to hold on to the joy too, of the laughter, maybe times you laughed or, or listen to music or something, you know, that mm -hmm. connects you that it's sort of bittersweet, right? There's like, wow, I remember this song. I remember this moment. And enjoying that, but like you said, that then then you feel it also. It's 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 kind of feels wow, this is permanent. And I think you know, mm -hmm. no none of us are going to get out of our lives without experiencing some forms of, of grief. You know. Yes, loss is part of life. It's a hard part of life, um, but it is part of life. Um, there's a book I've recommended here on this podcast before. It's called How to Survive the Loss of a Love. It's about loss in general. It's like a little handbook. And it's mm -hmm. got bullet points on each page and just tells you, you know, how to get through it and what to expect when you're grieving. And it's really great. And so mm -hmm. I, I highly recommend that for anyone who's dealing with um, grief and loss uh, at this point. But we are uh, sending you so much love, Sonia, and hugs and support. And um, oh, Thank you. Yeah. The last thing I will say, a memory too that I'll share with you is 
again in Spanish, she said that when you, and she had great friends, um, and you're a great friend, Lacey, but she said, your friends in las buenas y las malas, in the good mm -hmm. times and the bad times. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we should all hold on to, that that's what true friendship is. Yeah, it sounds like from, you know, what I heard from you this morning, we, we got together this morning, Sonia and I, and talked a little bit about this and it sounds like she was very good at that. She was, she was an example of being there for the good and the bad. Yes. Um, you mentioned something about like how much community she had and how many yes. friends and just people and she connected and she was committed to her friends and being there in the good and the bad and cooking soup for them when they're sick and bringing it to them. And that's just, it's beautiful. And it sounds like she was a beautiful example of, of human, of a human being and of humanity. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for letting me share. Of course, of course. I've really enjoyed uh, hearing about her. And um, I hope that it's healing for all of you to hear us um, share about, you know, people that we've lost because I think that's part of the healing process, being able to Absolutely. share. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, um, I wanted to share a couple things about my, uh, me personally, this past weekend, I don't know, I, you know me, Sonia, I don't get yeah. into holidays very much, but I had a really good Memorial Day weekend. Um, okay. I ended up hanging out at a couple pools, um, tanning, which was nice because <laughs> I've done that. And it's just so cool, Sonia, because it's like, there's, people are doing things again. It's starting to feel like how it was before COVID, you know, right. it's amazing. And it's so encouraging. And it's, it's like, yay, I get to interact with people again in the way that we did or in a similar way that we did before the pandemic. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Ah, I'm so happy. Well, being <laughs> at a pool is total summer, you know, start of summer, right? That's a great way to do Memorial Day. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what I had to do. Well, you know, it's interesting because what I noticed over the weekend, and I'm sure you did too, Sonia, is just a lot more people out and about. And we wanted to mention that because, of course, we started this podcast in the depths of the lockdown um, mm -hmm. in the U.S. Uh, during the pandemic. And so we wanted to kind of paint a little picture of how things have changed now, um, June 2021. And I think there's some numbers from the New York Times that might help us paint a very really good picture of that. Sonia, do you have those? Yeah, I do. That right now we have fully vaccinated in our country. This is as of today. 41% uh -huh. of people are fully vaccinated. 51% mm -hmm. have at least one dose of the vaccine. I know yeah. the goal for um, our president's goal, President Biden's goal was to, by July 4th, have 70% of our population mm -hmm. completely vaccinated. Um, they're, they're saying um, we might not reach that. I think we're gonna get closer to the high 60s, you know, but there's a big effort. I mean, I have seen it slow down, but there's all these, you know, different, uh, I guess, towns or states that have, what is it, lotteries or sports you events. Know. It's all these um, incentives, I would say, to get yes. people out there. So, I mean, what I will say is it does, it has helped us as far as getting out and about. You see people, like you said, out in the streets, you see restaurants opening, you see events happening. And yes, so we're getting a little closer to normal, right? Yeah. I mean, sporting events, the stadiums are at full capacity now. Um, there are folks inside, you know, without masks, not wearing masks. Uh, that's not something that the CDC is mandating or suggesting 
anymore at this point. So that's a big deal. And I think it's um, important to note that the difference between where we're at as a country today and some other countries who are struggling with the virus still is the percentage of people who are vaccinated. And as much as we're, you know, behind in a way that 70% by July 4th number, I think if you look, there's another way to look at it too, to see why we're doing so well. And that is the combined number of people who have had one dose or two doses. That's 92%. 50, you said 51% and 41%, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's the majority of, of Americans have had uh, one dose at least. That's huge. And from, I mean, I don't know how the specifics are of this, but it seems to me that one dose of Pfizer or Moderna is close to the same as Johnson & Johnson, which is one dose. So I think, you know, there's some effectiveness for fending off this virus with one dose or, or even if you don't have two doses. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the, the goal here is, uh, and you can see it, like I said, in the what's going on is that people are out. And the more that we start to creep up on those numbers, the better it will be for for all of us. You know, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm pro, pro vaccines. I, <laughs> I have to say, me too. And I, I was on the fence for a little while and now um, I'm not anymore, but I will, I have to give a shout out to the Biden administration because there's a lot, uh, it's a clear difference uh, between what is happening now to get us through this pandemic and what happened before he took office. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. It, it is it is so good for my mental health to be able to go play soccer again, to be able to go to the gym again, to be able to go to a restaurant and be with people and not have to, you know, Sonia, remember when we met in the park and sat six feet away from each yeah. other, drank yeah. wine together? Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. one morning we met for coffee and just sat in our cars. We didn't, we just put our, <laughs> put the windows down, you know? So yeah. it's so nice to be getting beyond this. I'm so thankful. Me too. Me too. It makes a world of difference in our lives. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, a couple of little announcements, and then we have one cool thing we want to talk about that has to do with Denmark. Um, we do have our logo reveal coming up. It's going to be our next episode. We're going to reveal the logo, um, and we have a big announcement to go along with that on the next episode. So, Stay tuned and be ready for our new logo. Our color scheme and some other things are in the process. They're coming along, but uh, we won't be revealing those just yet, but we will be revealing the logo. So that's kind of cool. Also, I didn't mention this, Sonia, uh, in a past episode, but do you know we missed a milestone as a podcast? We did our 50th episode. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was episode 28. So this is our 52nd. Our our like episode numbers aren't in line with the total numbers because of our interviews episodes. Mm-hmm. That wow. Cool? That's very cool. Yeah. Humanity. Going strong. Going strong. Um, last thing that we want to mention is to follow us on Clubhouse. Guys, Clubhouse is so cool. I was in a men's mental health room earlier this morning. And there were men talking about, you know, their life and their feelings and their struggles and like encouraging each other. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) I think that's what Tether is the name of the uh, group that puts that on. The room's called Too Broke for Therapy. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I like that? it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, check that out. Um, but also check out our club on Clubhouse, the Rethinking Humanity Club. We're going to be doing opening rooms um, more frequently in the future. Um, of course, Sonia's there. Victor's there. Our awesome technical producer. So check us out. Definitely. Yep. And we are also on Instagram and there is a post that we made earlier today that we want to share. And I'm going to let Sonia um, kind of lead the, the discussion about this. And Victor is probably going to be able to throw up the thank you, Victor. There it is. Uh, the, po the post for us. So, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, I just came across it and I sent it to you, Lacey. And it was really um, wow. It was eye opening. I was like, this this is right up our alley. So obviously yeah. people can read about it, but in Denmark, there are libraries that you can borrow a person instead of a book to listen to their life story for 30 minutes. The goal is to fight prejudice. Each person has a title, unemployed or refugee or bipolar, etc. But listening to their story, you realize how much you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. This innovative, brilliant project is active in 50 countries. It is called the Human Library. Wow. So, cool. Is that so, so cool? cool. I mean, look, here's the thing. And this is, you know, something that Fromm has talked about in his writing, something we've talked about on the podcast before. This is the kind of stuff that leads to changes, social change. These are the kinds of ideas that we want to be brainstorming so that we can figure out how to fight these prejudices. It's not in programming and bureaucracy. Uh, it's in different things like this. And so I think it would be amazing if it was something that we could do in the U.S. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a big book person. Lacey is too. I love libraries. But this is so phenomenal because I was just mentioning to her, to you, Lacey, that I think the key to humanity is us getting to know one another mm. and hearing our stories, no matter where we're from, no matter what we look like no matter our gender. And this is exactly what they're doing. It's an awesome, yeah. um, awesome idea. And it's active in 50 countries. So that's so yeah. cool that it's, it's happening. So awesome. And I mean, while uh, we're here talking about Instagram, I think Victor can show us our homepage. You guys feel free to follow us on Instagram. We do a pretty good job of posting regularly. Uh, we've posted some from stuff, quotes, different, mm -hmm. you know, stuff about uh, what we've got going on. So um, yeah, we have our first meetup uh, tomorrow. If you're in the Atlanta mm -hmm. area and you want to come hang out with us and have a drink and just chat, um, come do that. We'll be at the Monday Night Garage tomorrow at 5 p.m. Um, so anyways, all this kind of stuff, all this information you can find on our, on our Instagram page. Follow us. It's at Rethinking Humanity. All right. I wow. think we're ready to get into our uh, content for today. For Are you sure. Ready? Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Cool. So the title of this episode is Create or Destroy, How We Fulfill the Need to Transcend. And of course, we've been talking about um, whether men, humans, have needs, generally speaking. And so <laughs> Rome supposes or presupposes that uh, that we do. And uh, I think Sonia and I both see the logic in that. And um, yeah, last episode, we talked about the need to relate and the need for relatedness. So this episode is about our need for transcendence. 
And so I want to throw out some questions for you guys, the audience, to think about as before we get into the content. Um, so I want you to think about this. And Sonia, I, after we af after I throw these questions out, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the mm -hmm. answer to these questions. So listeners, what is transcendence? What does that mean? What does it mean to transcend? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to create? And how do we create as human beings? What does it mean to destroy? And how do we destroy as human beings? Good. So, good. Yeah. Okay. What do you um, think? So? Okay. I'll give you what I think. Um, yeah. On the transcendence, I immediately thought when I think of transcendence is to rise above, mm. to go beyond. It's beyond. Um, yes. Creative, being creative, I think people could argue subjective. What's creative? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, being destructive, I think most people would agree, but some people might even think being destructive in a way is also creating. So it's a very, mm. you know, it's an interesting mm. concept, right? That's um, interesting. Yeah. Mm. And, and to be able to create, you have to, you know, destroy something first, right? Sometimes to create something new. But what I mm. think is, um, is really fascinating that we kind of talked about last time is it goes back to reason. One of the things that from, you know, he gets into here is that we can't be passive. The, the human being can't be, we're not content with the passive role of the creature because we've been endowed with that reason and imagination. Right. right. And that really is what drives us. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the transcendence part, I didn't, I haven't really thought of, about that very much as a need. Uh, for human beings, mm -hmm. but I absolutely can see it. And especially with the way he describes, um, you know, who we are and what, what transcendence is mm -hmm. in the eyes of like his studies of humans, you know, man, basically he says is a, a creature and that needs to transcend the state as a being passive as a creature. Basically right. the, the fact that we have the ability to reason and imagine makes us um, want to be able to overcome that passive mm -hmm. state. And we have been thrown into the world without any, without our own knowledge, without consent, we'll be taken out of the world without our own knowledge or consent. And so we, we, that's how we're passive in, in a way that's how we're mm -hmm. passive. And then other animals are passive without that ability to reason and imagine. And so we have this urge to transcend the role of the passive creature. Um, and one of the ways that we do that, well, he, he says that there's two ways that we right. do that, two choices we have um, to do that because we have this need to transcend. So we can either transcend through creation, through creating things. And he says, if we love, if we're loving beings, this is how we transcend. Uh, when I say loving beings, I'm saying if you, if we're actively loving, if loving. we're in that mode of loving, or if uh, we can meet that need through destruction, through mm -hmm. by destroying. And if a person is lacking in love, this is how he transcends. So basically, we have this need to transcend. We can transcend 
through creation, which is rooted in love, or through destruction, which is rooted in hate, basically is how it kind of boils down. Yeah, I, I see that. The interesting thing about the transcendence, I think, and something we talked about before is the animal kingdom, for instance, they have certain needs of eating, sleeping, you know, hunting. And you see the distinction with human beings and you see that we get into this place where we have to transcend our animal part of ourselves or really that I would think you would go insane because we have the reason and the thinking to say, what am I here for? What am I doing? And yeah. that's why we're from gets into that. We have to either be creating or destroying. Yes. And, and he's mentioned this in the previous section of this chapter that uh, if we can't meet our human needs, we do go insane. So mm -hmm. if we can't transcend or right. relate, yes, these are the things that will drive us to insanity. Um, so yes, it's, it's interesting. He says, um, being endowed with, in, with reason and imagination, he cannot be content with the passive role of the creature. He is driven by the urge to transcend the role of the creature, the accidentalness and passivity of his existence by becoming a creator. And so I think this is kind of interesting. Um, you know, man can create life. Okay. Obviously we know that, mm -hmm. but then I think about that and I think about it a little slower and a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Man can create life. Like if you just stop and think about that for a minute, that's a big deal. Yes. You know, it's a mural. It's wild, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. bodily fluids from two different people come create together life. and create life of a living thing. That's a big deal. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is a big deal. And I think that's, um, yeah, you have to step away from it. Like you said, and think of the, the miraculous quality that we have that ability. And so there's a power, right? And power of the cre creating Yes. And again, the other side of that, the other side of destroying the shadow yeah. side, however you want to call it. Right, right. Um, so let's see, man can create life or rather woman can create life by giving birth to a child, by caring for the child until it is sufficiently grown to take care of his own needs. Man and woman can create by planting seeds, by producing material objects by creating art, by creating ideas, by loving one another. In the act of creation, man transcends himself as a creature and raises himself beyond the passivity and accidentalness of, ex of his existence into the realm of purposefulness and freedom. I love that, purposefulness and freedom. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a theme here that he talks about the pur purposefulness. And then he goes on to say that in this uh, need for transcendence lies one of the roots for love as well as arts, religion, and material production. Right. And I would, you know, he also talks about how when we're creating, it's it presupposes that we like care about the thing that we're creating and we um, are going to be active with the thing that we're creating. It presupposes mm -hmm. love. And if you think about it, if someone is trying to have a baby, they're mm -hmm. trying to have a child, they, there's an activity that they do to have the child. They mm -hmm. are care and they carry, they're caring about whether it takes place and how it takes place. And they love the, the thing that they're working to create the baby before it's even born. Right. right. And I mean, you can mm -hmm. even apply that into if you're, 
building a table or creating a painting, you know, mm -hmm. you're coming at that with a, uh, with a, an approach an energy of activity and of caring and of loving and excitement about what's going to come out of it about the creation itself. Yes. Yeah. yeah I can mm -hmm. definitely see that. And I think it's interesting how he, um, kind of goes through the part about the love and then talks about that if how then does man solve the problem of transcending himself if he's not capable this was really cool if he's not capable of creating well right. he can then if he cannot love which is the important part of this there's another answer to this need for transcendence if i cannot create life i can destroy it yeah. to destroy life makes me also transcend it which we have so many examples like historically of this yeah yeah i mean it's another power it's in, in it's a, a way power, yeah creation is a power it's an mm -hmm. amazing power right and so is destruction destruction right. is a power and so these are ways he's saying that we transcend and he's saying if a person is not in a place or operating from a place of love Mm -hmm. And then then they won't be able to create. And then therefore they still have the need to transcend. So what are they right. going to do? They're going right. to destroy. It's not like pick. It's like if you aren't doing this from a place of love, then the, other opposite, option? the other option is going to be you're going to be destructive. And so right. I think we can look. I wrote a little note on this. Um, you know, I think we can look to acts of destruction and we can mm -hmm. go backwards. We can approach it backwards and see, Oh, this person um, is not in a place of love. Mm -hmm. They're not in a place of being able to create. And so they're still trying to meet this need for transcendence. How are they doing it? This is part of why they're doing it, you know, because they're not in that place of love because they're not um, in that place of being able to create. Right. I think the PowerPoint uh, that you're saying, that this comes from also the power. What he says here is that to say that man is capable of developing his primary potentiality for love and reason does not imply the naive belief in man's goodness. Destructiveness is a secondary potentiality rooted uh -huh. in the very existence of man and having the same intensity and power as any passion can have. I mean, mm. and that's what is interesting about that is we can't just be naive and believe that because we're capable of this love and reason that um, all of a sudden we're just going to believe in man's goodness. Mm. You know, that's how I'm interpreting it. He's saying just because we're capable of developing this doesn't imply that we're going to be always coming from this place of goodness. Mm. To me that there's a, the implication there is that, it has to be fosters, foster, mm -hmm. excuse me. Mm -hmm. It has to be, you know, the environment can bring about destructiveness or creativeness based on, you know, what the values are of that environment. So we have those potentialities just because we have the ability to, mm -hmm. to love and create doesn't mean that that's going to automatically what be what happens first, you know, first and foremost, that's it. No. No, yeah, he talks about it being rooted in the nature of man. Uh, just as we have the drive to create, there's also the enormous power of the will for destruction. And like you're just saying, we can see it in history. 
Mm-hmm. You can see it in so many examples. So mm-hmm. if that isn't fostered, yes. the other side, then you've got, you know, you got there's the, another side to this coin. I, I think you can see it on a, on a macro level, on a societal mm-hmm. level, and then also and, just, and in a micro level, because right. think about children who are raised in a home where they see destructiveness, where they feel destructiveness. Um, that's what they're going to grow up and that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be that. Um, well, it's going to be more challenging for them to be that loving, creative individual. Um, I think this is powerful. He says, thus, the ultimate choice for man, inasmuch as he is driven to transcend himself, is to create or to destroy. And I love how he sums it up right here, to love or to hate. Wow. That's like, when it comes to transcendence, the ultimate choice we have is to create or to destroy. Are we going to love or are we going to hate? Because the love and hate are at the roots of either of those two choices. Yeah, no, I um, I hear you. I think he's basically saying that the will to destroy is going to rise when the will to create cannot be satisfied. Yes, that's correct. And then I think the question becomes for all of us, how do we create uh, an environment that that fosters that that will to create instead of the will to destroy because we are all going to be better off if we do that true and so to your point about the macro and micro level i think you know you're starting at the micro level right like you're talking about children you're talking about you know community you're talking about families that has to foster and grow otherwise what you're doing is you're being the cycle repeats itself yes the destructive cycle repeats itself. Right. You know, another thing I think that he says that is very uh, interesting. He says that when we satisfy the need to create, that leads to happiness. And when we satisfy the, the when we satisfy the need to transcend um, by uh, destruction, that leads mm-hmm. to suffering. And most of all, the suffering for the person who destroyed themselves. Sure. The destroyer himself. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, real powerful what Firm talks about and how I go back to, you know, you definitely need this environment of love to foster that mm-hmm. being able to create. Um, otherwise, it's, it's, it doesn't work in my mind. I don't know how you transcend without, without love. How do you feel about like the satisfaction of the need to create um, leading to happiness and linking that to kind of how we're doing life right now and our lack of the ability on a day-to-day basis in our jobs oh, typically. Oh. To be I creative, think people, you know, people need, people need to be creative. And so that's a very, very broad word. And what I would say irrelevant of, I mean, it's helpful if you're in an environment job wise that you feel like you are creating. And like I said, it's super broad. You, I don't want to just define that to a narrow uh, definition, but mm-hmm. I would say that even if you're doing say a job that's a little more mundane, but you're, you know, there's parts of it you enjoy it's important for each of us to have parts of our life that we are creating. Yes. Even if it can't be everything every day, 
we have to have those moments. We have to, in order to thrive, mm. have creativity coming out in some way. Agreed. I think that's a great way to look at it. And if it's not something that we are able to accomplish in our day-to-day work lives, it's mm-hmm. something that's important for us in our downtime. Um, I think, you know, our mental health is is much better, it seems, based on this information. Mm-hmm. If we find a creative outlet, you know, whether it's singing, right. music, dancing, art, painting, drawing, podcasting, um, you know, digital art, sculpting. Yes. Sculpting. I mean, making time for these things. Um, I think that's a very important priority for us in light of all this information. Right. And I was going to say something um, that I kind of came to terms with later. I think, unfortunately, we've limited creativity or we look at creativity as, oh, she's creative. I'm not creative or he's creative. And we're all creative. We all have the ability and we're all artists in our own way. Hmm. And it could be in various fields. It doesn't mean that you're going to paint. It can be like you're saying, it could be doing a garden. It could be, you know, um, knitting, it could be writing. I mean, the, I can't even come up with everything, but there's a laundry list of things of creativity and we have to nurture that in each of us. Because that really is, to me, what makes life meaningful, is having that creativeness that you're able to honor within yourself. And, and I think it's, it's, it's as important as the air we breathe and the food we eat to be able to, as like he's talking about this, is transcend you know, mm-hmm. our primitive sort of being, our, our animal nature. Yes. And I mean, I think it's, it can be as simple as, you know, creativity. Like if, if people like to dance, like I like to go pachata dancing. And so that's creative, especially Mm -hmm. if, um, you know, if you're just doing it, dancing, how you want to dance, that's creativity. You know, that, that might not seem like, Oh, I'm being creative. I just created a painting. No, but you, you know, you're choosing how you're, how you're moving your body and when you're moving your feet and which steps, you know what I mean? That's creativity. Yeah, Um, Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was going to just hit on point you made earlier about digital, you know, we're living in a digital world and maybe my strength isn't creating something online, but someone else's is that world and they're still being creative, but it's a different form of creative because our world's expanding. And so there are different opportunities and ways to create. Yes. Yes. You know, the other thing that I thought about is the soccer field. One of my favorite things to do is just to create plays, like just run around on the field <laughs> and create space and move in ways that opens up opportunities for the ball to move around. Sure. And that's creative. So there's a lot of places where we see this. Um, but I think it's so, so key. And I think one of the, the, the idea that we're, I think he's trying to drive home here is that, you know, without the outlet of creativity, without the ability to love and be creative, we're going to destroy. And so Mm -hmm. to the extent that we make room for creativity um, in in individuals and and as a society and as communities, we will have um, a healthier 
safer life and society. Yeah. Um, I just, another one came to mind is cooking is being creative in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And also I think of when I think of being creative, I think of joy mm. of, you know, having that feeling like, like you're saying, being on the soccer field, making something happen, being in a dance. I mean, it just, there's so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that the happiness that comes from that creativity is way better than the not happiness <laughs> that comes from the destruction. So, yes. So that is, uh, you know, the need to transcend creativity or um, destruction. We've talked about the need to relate. And Sonia, I love how you've said that these needs are like the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food that we eat. They are all necessary for our living truly living, truly thriving. Yeah. And I would say along the same lines of other podcasts that we've had is these, this creativity and this ability to live this way is much better than consumption than just buying something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very easy. It's very easy to run to our phones to run to social media, to run to whatever it is in our downtime. And that's not creative, right? And it doesn't fulfill us as a result or run to shopping and mm -hmm. consuming and buying yeah. things. And so I hope that we can all make more space for creativity and whatever that might look like for you and knowing what it is that makes you happy and that you enjoy creating and the way, the way that you enjoy transcending in this way, this creative way, um, and make space for that because we're all going to be better off. Um, yeah. if we do that. And the consumption thing is just this, it's a, it's an attempt to fill a big dark black hole. That's just not sufficient. It just that will never get filled with buying stuff. <laughs> right. And guess what? There are people who are enslaved because of that, because exactly. of our, habitual buying. So we, uh, we want to end that. We want that to end. So um, if you're interested to hear more about that, listen to our episode with uh, Amelia Pang. That was yes. such a great, great interview. That was good. So happy Friday, everybody. I can't believe it's already Friday. Isn't that crazy? It's I know. It We're in short. June. It's now yes. June. That's, that's it's nuts. June. <laughs> it's crazy. But, um, but yeah, we appreciate you guys being with us. Um, we hope you have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.